welcome back to a new episode of Conversations with Friends. I'm your host, Teresa, and thank you guys so much for tuning back in. I hope you had a lovely week so far or weekend or whatever time it is you're listening right now. You're probably wondering why there's only one voice right now and there's no Carol with me. It's only me, Teresa, because I'm in Amsterdam and unfortunately Carol couldn't join me for this episode, but it's going to be all right. I'm just joined by a special friend of mine who is sitting in front of me. We're both having a glass of wine. He just came back from Australia and yeah, Sean, why don't you just introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Sean Johnston. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I play in a band. I'm a musician, primarily. I play in a band called Tora. Uh, we've been playing together for the last 10 years or so. Um, it's taken us from the humble small town of Byron Bay to here in Amsterdam and uh, Berlin, London and countless of other places. Uh, yeah, it's been a journey so far, but it's always nice to share it with people. Yeah, that's why you're here today as well. I'm really ha like happy to have you on. And if you guys haven't checked out Taurus Music, you definitely should. They're not just like friends of mine and amazing, but they're just like really talented. And I think you should definitely check out their music. But yeah, that's also what we want to talk about today is basically mm. just like choosing your passion as your career path and being back on stage. Obviously, the pandemic kind of made it hard for every like artist out there. So it would be really interesting to chat about that. Oh, yeah, just in general, like tips when you feel uninspired. Um, but I'm just going to jump in the questions. But before we start that, yeah. Sean, what is like, well, Carol and I always do that, but she's not here. So I'm just going to ask you, what's like your gem of the week? <laughs> My gem of the week. Oh, damn. Um, I guess, I don't know if it's of the week or if it's of the year. It can also be the month or something. All the time yeah. <laughs> that we're in. Um, I think it's taking on new... Uh, challenges uh, mm. with a sort of an open mind, I guess, trying to not be afraid of jumping into the deep end, taking challenges and things that are new or things that seem challenging, maybe present or future challenges, um, and not shying down from them. I don't know if that's technically a, a gem itself, but it I is, think being I think. aware of, of yeah. that sort of state of mind uh easier said than done at moments but yeah no I definitely think it is a really good gem I think also with you like coming back from Australia where it's like 32 degrees right now coming back to rainy Amsterdam is already <laughs> like a challenge and I think I don't know like I'm not a musician but to me it always seems like a crazy life like you don't know what you're going to be or like what you're going to do this yeah. year I guess that's where because you mentioned the questions about COVID, um, well, pandemic, um, previous years and how it has been as a musician or a creative or a traveler of some sort during this time. Um, I guess that mind state has played, has been a sort of important one for us to maintain mm. over that time. Um, it's quite easy to like come unstuck, especially when shows are being cancelled or... Uh, festivals, headlines, maybe even like recording uh, like collaborations and things like that. We couldn't travel to the UK to work in certain studios, etc. So it's just being, trying to maintain like a presence mm. and but also 
not kind of becoming placid. You still have to sort of somehow motivate yourself and push yourself through it, which is normally by taking on the challenge. Yeah. Not shying away from the challenge. How do you motivate yourself? Or how, did, how did you motivate yourself, especially in those times? I feel like it would be so hard, like not knowing what's coming next week or like even the next day. Yeah, I guess so. But <laughs> um, <clears throat> I guess for us, it's for every creative, it's going to be different. But mm. for us, uh, we were lucky that, or at least I won't speak for the other boys, but I'll speak for me, is that we were pretty lucky and fortunate to have each other being a four-piece band, mm. um, I've talked to friends that have been like solo artists and during that time it wasn't as easy or not to say it was easy, it was still had, came in its own challenges. <laughs> um, being in the studio so much with the same people all the time, mm. you can get on each other's nerves and stuff. But all in all, it was a pretty good uh, outcome. But what, I'm, what I was saying is like, because there was four of us, to try to maintain your sort of um, motivation or stamina to create, some days you wouldn't. Mm. Um, but having someone else that maybe that day is showing up or has the energy to take it on, then we sort of, it was like a cyclical sort of momentum that we would all kind of help each other stay within that momentum, you know. Mm. Maybe it's Wednesday morning and I don't feel like going to the studio or Joe gets to midday and doesn't want to write anymore or can't think of any lyrics or wants to delete a song. Like, you know, there's all these, like, different things that happen. Uh, as a solo artist, it's really hard because you don't have anyone else to fall back on. You yeah. don't have this... Maybe you have a producer or a manager or something like that, but it's different when you're in a band or in a community, in a sort of mm. family that uh, that you can help each other keep that momentum and keep that motivation. Because, yeah, otherwise, you know, you get tours cancelled, you get opportunities cancelled. It's easy to sort of fall into a hole and think like, oh, everything's over. You're also alone. It's like your own thing and you just like have no one that motivates you and tells you to keep pushing. Yeah. So for us, like, you know, we can't always rely on someone else to motivate us. So there's mm. motivate us, sorry. But so there is my own internal sort of stuff, whether it's doing some sort of activity in the morning or a routine that could be like waking up and having your morning coffee or doing yoga or people writing in a diary or doing a meditation or drawing or dancing or going for a run, whatever it may be. Um, I found especially during the times of restrictions and lockdowns and especially mm. when we were writing a lot and we couldn't tour and we had to like focus on writing that to try to help myself balance and keep motivated was was also to not lose track or sight I guess of things that also were important to me mm. yes it's good to be motivated but not to like you need the work life sort of balance yeah, yeah but we were really lucky that that was four of us that helped a lot I think I would have been some like a lot more lost uh yeah also like for the listeners who don't know like you moved to Amsterdam in 2020 20 yeah like March, literally when yeah. corona hit so like coming from Australia going to a new country <clears throat> with like not knowing anyone or not many knowing many people and then the lockdown hit I think that must have been crazy and like being good that you had 
them there as well. Otherwise, it's like yeah, feeling we, lost as well, I think. I mean, you probably still feel lost. I don't know how that was, but how was your first reaction when like lockdown hit and you were just like, oh, fuck, I'm in this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for swearing. <laughs> I didn't. Um, I, I think at first, I think it's probably like what a lot of people would have felt was that at first I didn't really believe that it was happening. Mm. We'd, we'd arrived here 2nd of March 2020. Um, we were meant to be here for two weeks and then we were meant to be flying out to Dominican Republic or something like that to play a festival and after that was followed by a bunch of European dates um, throughout April, May-ish sort of thing and then we were meant to go to the US. So we had a, you know at least six months or so of touring planned. Um and we arrived here, we had two weeks of, of pre-lockdown life. Mm. And then a couple of days before it happened, leading up to it, Joe was doing so much like research and so much like keeping on track of what was going on in different countries. And he was like, guys, I think like, we're screwed, mm. essentially. <laughs> like, go buy your rice. We're not going touring. And we're like, no, man, you... You're crazy, dude. There's there's no way that all this is going to be cancelled. And matter of fact, in a couple of days, everything did get cancelled. Um, silver lining is is that we kind of gave ourselves a couple of weeks mm. to um, once once all the tours got cancelled, we we well we gave ourselves like about a month. Uh, and I figured like, well, if if things don't get better, I'm just gonna get a ticket back to Australia and just work out what life is mm. now and maybe just, you know, put the whole band thing on hold for a second. But we managed to find a studio and then it kind of all just flowed. Like then we realised that either we just sort of pack it up or we just all kick each other in the butt and essentially just get in there and write more music and just try to make the best out of it that we could. So basically kicking your butt took on the challenge like your intention was? Yeah, essentially, <laughs> yeah, that's where, that's where I was kind of going with it. Well, that's cool. I'm, like, I'm so happy to, that you guys stayed, obviously, and that you mm. wrote your album, Force Major for everyone that's like, yeah, I think you wrote it during the, that time. Mm-hmm. Who came yeah. up with like the idea? I think it was because you guys, yeah, you basically couldn't tour. So like, you're like, okay, what are we going to do now? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. We, um... Yeah, we could have just gone home or we we couldn't play shows. Well, we didn't play shows for about mm. a year and a half. So writing, it had been about a year and a half since we released our, like, our previous album and it was just felt like, okay, well, we have to write at some point. We were going to do it like the following winter or something, but I guess we just fast-forwarded like eight months. Um, yeah. Is that what the album is about as well? Like the whole um, situation that was going on? There are going? some there are some tracks in there that are, I guess, yeah, based around hmm. sort of struggles or like challenges, I should say, not so much struggles, but more like challenges throughout that time, whether it's like um, like life 
or relationship challenges that in, like encapsulate during that time, like that mm-hmm. arose during that time. But yeah, there's like the, the lead track on there, a force majeure is, I guess, in essence, yeah, a lot of it is about that. Yeah, great. You guys should definitely check it out. <laughs> like I said before, but plug, plug, plug. <laughs> no, but like it is a great album, and I do think some of the songs actually apply to, or I felt like they really applied to our situation mm. that we were in, but are still in now. But I don't want to like talk about Corona too much. I just want to like also no, that's true. get back in time and like we're in twenty twenty two. Just also just letting the listeners know, like, what is your back? Like, how did you discover your love for music and when did you also know that, okay, this is not just like a hobby, like I want to turn this into a career path? <laughs> um, it's a good question, actually. I don't know if I know the answer to it, but... Um, <laughs> just woke up one day and you're like, I'm going to be a bass player. <laughs> no, not quite. Um, so my background is uh, the school I went to is a Steiner school um, in Byron Bay. And for you that don't know what a Steiner school is, um, uh, Rudolf Steiner is uh, essentially, I guess, a teacher, philosopher from Germany, I believe. And his philosophy, um, oh, it's really long. Just go and like wait what the general gist of it. The general gist of it is that it's just like any other school, your curriculum is math, science, uh, English or, mm. you know, English because yeah. we're in Australia. But if you're in France or Germany, you have your corresponding yeah. language, right? So it's just a regular school but with an added focus and sort of uh, support of art, whether that's uh, music, visual art, dance, mm. um, essentially anything creative, which doesn't mean that they, they don't also uh, motivate or encourage um, intellectual sort of stuff as well. Like mm. if you're really good at maths, then they're going to push you in that as well. But there's, a, there's an added sort of like uh, Focusing more awareness creative to yeah. creatives, whereas depending on what country you're in, but in Australia, if you're at a general public school, then if you're a really good drawer or dancer or something like that, it's mm. not... Typically, like there might be exceptions, but typically there's yeah. not as much focus on arts. Like my school had no focus on creators at all. It was more like yeah. a thing, like an extracurricular activity. And yeah, not so whereas science school is when you're in grade one, so like your first year of school, you're already doing while you're doing your English and your math, or you're starting to read and that sort of stuff, introducing you to letters and alphabet, etc. Is they also introduce you at the same time to drawing and watercolor mm-hmm. painting and eurythmy isn't actually a massive one eurythmy is like a form of dance mm. cool um kind of think of like someone on ketamine doing like <laughs> uh interpretive dance to <laughs> someone playing a flute and wearing silk and slippers that's what eurythmy is i'm sorry yeah, for anyone that's I'm... listening to this that's from the she order or i mean sorry that's from the steiner school but it's kind of what the vibe is it's beautiful it's re- it's really nice it's actually a really I'm not taking the piss out of it at all. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of trying to imagine it. it right now, but I'm like, I'm... It's because it's not dance, like it's not dance like you'd think. It's very like sort of, okay, so it's more kind of like contemporary. Like yeah. it's very like body, slow movements. Like making art with your body kind of. Yeah. yeah. It's 
I guess it's meant to connect like mind, body, soul mm-hmm. with, uh, yeah, like a mind, body, soul meditation sort of connection. Mm-hmm. And often you do it in the mornings and that sort of stuff. You also have like a morning verse. So each year, each year. anyway, we're getting deep into Steiner now. <laughs> so I'm going to reverse back out of Steiner. <laughs> if anyone it's wants to more know, creatives. <laughs> more creatives. Where the music started though, to get back on your answer, the question. So anyone that wants to know more about Steiner, they can yeah, look into Steiner. Yeah, just check it out. Yeah. Just check it out. It's good school. <laughs> um, for music though, is that part of that is that in grade three, no, Grade four, um, everybody has to learn a classical instrument. Mm. So you have violin, viola and cello, which is the ensemble yeah. essentially. And so your whole uh, class is kind of split up between those three instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you do that for about three years till grade seven. And then after grade seven, you then go into like junior high and at that point you can actually elect what instrument you want to play. So you don't have to play violin or viola. You can stay. Some students stayed and kept doing it. Um, But by that time a lot of people like either have started playing guitar or drums or bass or saxophone or piano or whatever. And then by that time they're kind of excited to further their education mm. in the other instruments. Um, so when I started playing violin, I never thought I'd play violin my entire life. But when I started playing violin in grade three, uh, grade four, sorry, uh, so did Joe. So Joe and I were in the same class together. Uh, I originally wanted to play cello, but when I got back from holidays, I got back a bit late and, um, yeah, all the cello spots were taken. So... <laughs> I got forced onto the violin. Yeah. <laughs> and, I didn't uh, know that. <laughs> Joe and I, yeah, Joe and I got, uh, became head violin. So after three years of doing violin, we were like the uh, like lead violin, which is essentially the violin that mm. plays the melody throughout an orchestra or ensemble. Um, so we did that and we, we, we had a great time. But as soon as we could, um, during those three years, even though when we were playing violin, we started playing in a band together, mm. like a shitty high school band sort of thing. And so when we got to grade seven, we could choose our own instruments. And, um, yeah, we Joe jumped on guitar. I think initially I jumped on drums. I don't know why. But then bass just found me. My mum had a bass at home. My mum's a bassist as well. Mm. And so then I ended up on bass. We had a – still at that point I didn't really think that, hey, I'm going to be – doing this like but you just fell 15 in love years with later it. or something mm. yeah I think we fell in love with, we fell in love with like the camaraderie like the, the, the sort of family that you create through it mm. the adventures that it takes you on um, the expression the creativeness like it's it's yeah it's pretty cool like really where the art can take you mm. but at that time I had no idea really what was going on um, Were you at any point considering taking on a different career path? Or like if you could have, what would it be? Oh, yeah. I had multiple random ideas. At one point I wanted to be like a mechanic. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you being a mechanic. Think, just like, well, essentially doing stuff with your hands and just, you know. Well, yeah, I, I think 
that's what that's what got me into like some years later after we left high school we left we left in year, grade 10 because we that's when we really knew we wanted to do music and then we went to the conservatorium and did three years there uh, two years there joe and i and and toby um and then after we finished at the conservatorium with the contemporary mm. uh, contemporary music um the uh, diploma we um moved to melbourne because we thought hey like obviously everyone that becomes famous goes to melbourne so little country boys went to melbourne thought <laughs> we we're going to kill it and we got absolutely wrecked like we just we literally it was like dropping like a little fish in the ocean yeah. expecting like the whole ocean to stop moving um, we lit- we had no idea what we were doing. Just like and then, boys in the big world and yeah, expected to be way easier than it actually is. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so that's when actually at that point I thought maybe we're not going to be in a band and we're not going to be mm. touring anymore. Like, you know, Toby went to Greece. Joe started selling electricity uh, deals or mm. something. You're like doubting yourself. I went and started uh, – well, we stopped playing. We stopped yeah. playing shows and we stopped writing music. This is – like previous to Torah. Um, and then I went and did uh, sound engineering, which is, mm. I guess, maybe where the whole mechanic thing came in. You know, it's not mechanics, but it's yeah. more tangible. It's still engineering. Physical. Way, it's engineering. Yeah. It's like, you know, electronics and mechanical and things like that. So I always had this sort of drive for that. But then I finished a couple of years doing that and Toby came back from Greece and Joe got sick of selling electricity and <laughs> they moved back to Bayern and I just kind of finished my degree and they said, hey, like we've been starting to write music again and I think you should come back to Bayern and let's, you know, give this another go. And this time completely different music. Like this was the the early stuff of Torah. It was like electronic. They started using reason. They were experimenting with synths and stuff and... Yeah, and then that's kind of where it birthed. But at, at that point, we we never thought, like, anything would actually happen, like, that we would even tour Australia mm. or even write an album or do anything like that. At that point, it was still... Um, yeah, we were doing it in, like, our bedrooms and our lounge rooms and stuff. Sometimes we're still doing that now. But, I mean, the point is, is then it was super super dodgy and like we had no idea so i don't really know i don't know you're asking like when did i know or how do i know or who how do you know i don't think you do like well maybe someone does but like Mm. i think you just focus on something and then you're kind of in it before you know you're in it if that makes sense yeah it's all around you before you even realize you are in it in a, in a sense. So, I don't know. Well, you've been in it for like how many years now? So no. long. <laughs> um, yeah, it's at least 10 years. Well, yeah, as Torah, it's, yeah, it's getting close to 10 years. You've come maybe so eight far. Years or so, eight years? Eight, yeah, eight, it sounds like a Maybe long eight. Time. But it's since Alice Blue and previous bands, it's like, and moving to Melbourne, it's a long time. But, yeah, you kind of just battle through. <laughs> but like how did you if you like look 
back on future, sh uh, future Sean, <laughs> past Sean, and like you were doubting yourself. You guys weren't sure if you would pursue. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. Sorry. That's <laughs> probably a nice big bump for <laughs> Try to cut that out. But um, how did you, what would you tell you, like your past, past Sean, like when you were like in this phase of like, I don't even know if you're going to be this, like you weren't sure if you're going to make music and what would you tell past Sean that was maybe doubting himself and now you came so far? Well, I don't <laughs> know. I, it wasn't so much that I was doubting though. The thing okay. was is like you just didn't want when, when, when we were in Melbourne and we weren't doing music anymore. It was just more that we all went on our own little journey, mm, okay. which I think we needed to do mm. at that time. It wasn't so much that we were like doubting what's doing it. We just all kind of needed something else and needed our own focus. I guess we'd been playing music and spending almost every day of our lives together, like Joe, mm. Toby and I, for all of our like high school years and even after that. And so... It was probably a sense of like, dude, I just want to do my own thing. Like I just want to focus on like what I want to focus on and not have to constantly mm. check in and see is that going to be compatible with what is happening. So we probably needed that time. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't go back and necessarily yeah. say anything because then if I said anything, then it would change the way what it would you change did. the outcome of what I did. You yeah, know? that's a that's a good. If good I said, way to "Hey, it's it. going to be good," then maybe I wouldn't try yeah. to do certain things. And if I said, "Hey, it's going to be shit," <laughs> then I'd be like, "Oh," and then I would change it again, and then it might be even more shit. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, that's a good way to see it. Just like take things as they are, and it worked out, I guess. So, fast forwarding now to Torah these days after. I think last, yeah, last November you guys toured in Europe after I think one and a half years you weren't able to tour. Mm -hmm. So that's like a long time. How did it feel to be back on stage after such a long time? Kind of felt like almost like we're starting again. Mm. Not, in the, in, not in the way that we're playing and obviously our, our knowledge and our experience from the, over the years is still in there, but <clears throat> but the feeling of being on stage again, all that, like the euphoric and the connection with the crowd definitely was felt fresh again. Mm. It was kind of cool, but it was one of the first times where I was kind of starting to get nervous mm. again for the first, like at least for the first show or two, you start being like, oh my God, like I'm in actually in front of people. Like, <laughs> Not just on Zoom call. Like, these are like, like real human beings <laughs> like staring at me right now. Like, yeah. If I mess something up, you know, given you always mess something up mm. somewhere, whether it's bad or like big or big mess up or not. But um, but yeah, having that feeling and that realization again is is kind of cool. But it was that's the longest. That's the longest we've had like for ages mm. like we've had breaks of you know six months maybe a year but it was never like without at least one or two shows in there somewhere yeah we've never had a moment where it's been probably more than six months where we haven't had some sort of show um so yeah it definitely felt strange and especially getting back like into the flow like oh like this gear needs to be this and like do we have everything? Like, is this going to work? 
Mm. Obviously, it is. It's going to be fine, but it's easy to sort of like not scare yourself but maybe overthink it. But anyway, it was good. What was the thing you liked most about like being back on stage or just in general touring? Like what's one thing that like you just love? Oh, shit. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I, I guess probably what stands out if I have to pick it is is probably performing new material, mm. like performing new tracks. is always super exciting because you've never played it for people before. Um, you've never seen a reaction to it. It's usually the most fun stuff to play because you haven't played it a million times already. Mm. Um, like, well, you've recorded it in the studio but you haven't played it live, like in front of people and so normally like, yeah, performing new material that you're excited to share with people and to show people, for me, I guess, is probably one of the highlights. There's countless other things that are amazing, travelling to new cities and mm. new cultures and new languages. But, yeah, getting to actually perform your new material to people and see the how they yeah interact with it is probably one of the highlights I yeah. guess yeah <laughs> no I understand I mean I'm not a musician but I can imagine just standing there and probably also like corona took that away from you and just seeing feedback from people that is not like a comment on YouTube or something just like standing in front of them and hearing them clapping I could imagine that being like so nice just you know yeah so maybe it sounds egoistic but when you create something whether it's like a song or an art work or something like that and then you kind of need, or maybe not, but I feel like we need to like show it to people, whether it's your friends or random people, and see their reaction. Mm. Engage whether like whether they like it, whether they don't, their feedback and all that sort of stuff. And then that gives you the sort of fuel to be like, hey, this is what I want to create more of or this is something that I really love and I didn't, like, as a creative, you can get stuck in your head and think, oh, dude, man, this is, this is shit. Like, mm. what am I doing? This painting's terrible. This song's terrible. Like, I just spent, like, six months recording this EP. What have I done? <laughs> but then you release it or you show friends or, yeah, well, yeah, you release it to the world and then you get these plays or you get these people saying, like, this is amazing or on YouTube people are commenting, like, this is fucking beautiful like I listen to this every day or this changed my life and then you realize oh wow like this thing that I created that I loved that I put my heart and soul into actually is appreciated and so you don't need to have live you can have it through yeah social medias and stuff but it's not quite the same Mm. as when you actually go to a concert to an evening where people have come from around the city or different cities or different countries to Mm. see you live to share in a moment together that's yeah that's definitely part of it and I think any creative or any artist especially musicians at this Mm. moment or dancers or any live performance has um missed that I think it's also not just like the people on stage but also like as a person as a listener like I was there at your concert uh, at two of them and it's just so nice to be able to connect with everyone like dance to the same music and like see you guys on stage like I'm friends with you guys mm. so it's like 
I could really tell that you were just so happy to be back on stage and seeing that happiness yeah. also makes you happy. And then standing next to people who sing along with you is just such a nice feeling that I feel like a lot of people have missed. Um, yeah, like you said, not just music, but just being able to yeah. actually see people perform. And obviously I can watch a YouTube video of you guys performing, but that's it's just not the same. <laughs> it's not the same vibe. And I don't know. I, I think it was like Rotterdam where you guys were playing. I wasn't there, but... Um, yeah, it was, it was the first show of the tour, which was hilarious because we had the first show. And then, like I'm saying, you're, you're kind of already stressed because you're like, I haven't played a live show in a year and a half. I hope we know like what's going on. All the gear's fine. We're going to do this... We've rehearsed the shit out of all the tracks. We got our, we got our set dialed in and ready, and then the power just cuts out. And you're like, <laughs> "Are you actually kidding me right now?" <laughs> yeah. It was almost like a bad joke. We thought someone mm. had done it like on purpose. Luckily, actually, luckily we hadn't actually started yet. Um, and then they managed to fix the power. Mm. But still, it felt like this sick joke to be like the first show in a year and a half. And then the entire street just gets blacked out. But anyway. Didn't they, everyone have like flashlights at the first? No. They, I um, they were. But I mean. They all, it was amazing venue actually. That's what I love about Europe is that they kind of, I don't want to take a shit on Australia, but I feel like <laughs> if they blacked out, uh, I guess it depends, but people wouldn't stay like hmm. half an hour, one hour. These people stayed I think like an, at least an hour like full hall and the, the venue um, lit all these little tea lights in mm. glass jars and then handed it out. So we had this whole venue full of people holding tea lights and drinking wine and chatting and just genuinely just hanging out. Um, and then the power came back on and we had this amazing show and managed to play the show for them and it was a really memorable evening, I guess, mm. for everyone. Like, yeah. Or not only for us but for the people that came. But, yeah. Yeah, that's maybe the beauty also of things not going as planned, you know. Yeah, you just have to <laughs> But maybe that's punches. me. I don't know how you felt in the situation where, like, the power turned off. Probably not the same, but... You know, I mean, we were freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine, but... um, I'd also like to know, like we talked about before, like, it's being hard to get motivated during the pandemic and stuff, but also, like, where do you guys get your inspiration from, especially not being able to see as many people as you were before? Like, where do you, yeah, get inspired by? Hmm. Um, I think for, like all four of us is slightly different. Um, some of us get inspiration from hardship within our lives, whether it's like mm. relationship or family or just life in general. Um, I feel like maybe, mm, I don't know, I almost feel like sometimes like... <laughs> Like our band seems to create more when we're going through hardships. Mm. Maybe that's just a sort of common trait throughout artists is when you're having a hardship, it's easier. Because you have more emotions maybe. Yeah, like, maybe it's like a cathartic sort of yeah. experience that you go through that's a way of like processing or dealing. Like, yeah, so much more processing what's mm. going on. Um, but in saying that, like I, I think... Just moving to a new city, to a new country helped. I think probably maybe would have been harder to to write another album mm. in Byron Bay. Um, 
we'd already written the last two there. Um, and this time it was like new scenery, new culture, sort of shake the shake the tree a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> new faces, just also like even just yeah. go meet me, go it, for walks. It was, it was like, like I know that, um, yeah, Jai was saying that it was difficult times for him because he loves travelling and and he finds a lot of inspiration through uh, not not only just travelling but also like travelling and meeting other artists mm, and going yeah. to other, like going and watching other musicians and stuff and I also have that as well. Like I miss that amazingly. It wasn't just mm. for me playing, it was also to actually go and watch other artists yeah. play as well. Especially moving from Byron Bay where, don't get me wrong, we do still get artists that come and play but it's not like Amsterdam where mm. you have venues like Paradiso and, and that have the establishments that have been there for countless amounts of years with amazing artists that come yeah. through there. Um, so I was really looking forward to that and so that's part of it is also that is going out and looking at other musicians and what are they doing and how are they performing or... Um, yeah, so during that time it was challenging but it was – we just had to kind of approach it with more of like a just show up and mm. work. Just make the best out of it I <laughs> think just, as well. Yeah, it was – even when you didn't <laughs> feel like creative or motivated, yeah. you just – have to get just it done. Do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, just yeah. Just Shia LaBeouf it. Essentially. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> no, he's right though. Honestly, I think also maybe things you don't realize. Like I think, I mean, I'm not a musician, like I said, but I also think I get inspiration from like smaller things that you don't even realize. Like I went out and got a coffee, and even though you don't necessarily interact with people there, but I felt like during the like deepest pandemic it was like lockdown, lockdown all you could do was get takeaway stuff or coffee. That was my highlight of the day. And like even getting out and seeing people, I feel like I would take that in way more and just be like, oh, this is happening and this is happening. Before there was like so much going on that you didn't even like, you weren't even that aware, I feel like. And now you're like more aware of small things and like you appreciate the sun coming out more. You appreciate those small things more. I don't know about you, but that's where I personally get inspired from. And also just like maybe us humans being able to go through that together. It's kind of inspiring. I think that it is because, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's definitely much more of like an appreciation for the smaller things. Everyone got sort of confined mm. for a long time, depending on where you are, but some longer than others, longer than others. But, um, yeah, you know, going for a walk in the park. Taking it all in. Taking it all in, <laughs> looking at the ducks, looking at the flowers. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of just had to make it do, but mm. some days we hated it. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. Some days we'd go to the studio and nothing would happen. Mm. Like, honestly, we'd some days we'd write half a track, or we would mix half a track, or we'd we'd finish a track, or like some days we'd have amazing days, and then some days were like trash. Like, we would sit on one hi-hat for like six hours being like 
no, the hi-hat's got to be this or no, the kick has got to be this or no, the bass tone's wrong. No, we're going to use the, the Moog instead of the... It, like some days were just painful. Like you would ride home and be like, what the fuck was I doing? Like why did I just sit in a studio for eight hours? Mm. We didn't even do anything. But you kind of have to go through those days. You just... It's, it's kind of like... I don't know. It's kind of like digging through a bunch of clay to get to a diamond at some point. And when you're digging through the clay, it's like painful and it's monotonous and it's the same colour every shovel load. But eventually you hit this diamond. And then that's kind of what happens with creating. Like you're not always going to dig a diamond up. Not, mm. It's not going to be every day that you pick this diamond. But eventually there will be a diamond. So you just got to keep shoveling shit until you get to the diamond. <laughs> no, it's like really nice understand. what I'm saying. Yeah, I understand um, what I mean. Did you just make that up or? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean with the diamonds though. Like imagine you would always just have diamonds and you wouldn't appreciate those diamonds anymore. Yeah. That's what I was saying with like the small things. And yeah. no, it's not like it's my version of it, but mm-hmm. essentially you have to take this shit in. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it's like I actually really like. Yeah, you gotta that. So- shovel that shit. <laughs> but um, are you all good? <laughs> choking on my wine. But like you were talking about Europe as well, um, I also would really like to know, as challenging as it probably was, what's like also maybe the most precious thing you learned in that time being in Europe, being in this like hardship of Corona, yeah, just in general. Shit. It's a big question, I know. <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I guess probably what l- runs into like my gem of the week or month or year or whatever, mm. whatever it is. Um, during that time, I really struggled with being present or being, yeah, I guess being present and being like comfortable with being present and aware that I had no clue what was going on. Mm. Um, someone that usually like struggles with like not being in control of what's happening or like what path I'm on. Okay. Not to be in control, but to be sort of aware or somewhat in control Mm. of what's going on. So, when you're someone that like likes to be in control of where you're going or what's happening and then everything that surrounds you then gets completely spun out and chucked into a tumble dryer, then it's hard to be present during that time because it gives you anxiety and freaks you out mm. to be present while everything doesn't make sense. <laughs> so for me it was being present and being comfortable with knowing that I had no idea what the fuck was going on or what was going to come next and trusting Mm. that what I was doing was leading me down the path that would eventually benefit me or be positive or whatever. Mm. Maybe some parts not, but but trusting in that what I was putting my time in, where I was going, what I was filling my time with was um, beneficial or positive. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people can relate with the whole like feeling out of control, mm. especially because well, the times are already like really uncontrollable. But then also, I think 
like you kind of chose a career path that's very like <laughs> I know that's what everyone says they're like it doesn't really make sense that you're in a career that has no certainty or like has no sort of security mm. I'm like you do make a good point <laughs> but how did you like learn I mean I guess you're still like on the way I think we all are like I can relate to that so much as well like mm. I want to control everything and like sometimes I just need to like chill and just think okay mm. I'm here now and like you can't plan the future mm. in like 30 years yeah <laughs> it was like, the extreme but um how do you manage to hold yourself accountable and just be like okay like do you said you learned that like I don't know but like what are steps to I don't know if I learned that like how to like control that mm. but I was I, I still teaching myself but mm. somewhat like became aware of that or like mm. what was I guess creating a lot of the sort of fear or anxiety mm. or whatever. So ways that I tried to sort of overcome it was to give myself like small things to do, mm. to focus on. And so I went through a bunch of different things like, um, you know, started doing like uh, drawing. One of the first things was was like starting to to do like graphite, like graphite drawings, you know, whether of hands or lips or eyes and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I fill my day with, but it's just like a small thing that I'm in control of that I can do that maybe challenges me or not, doesn't really matter, but it gives me something or an outcome. So if everything could have been closed and all my tours were cancelled mm. and we couldn't go to the studio... Instead of just feeling like, oh, I'm a lost soul that's not doing anything. Yeah. I'm just going to go draw an eye for like <laughs> three hours. Yeah. And it's not like it's an amazing eye that I'm going to sell or anything. It's not really a career <laughs> path. But it's just something that like... Gives you purpose. Yeah. And it could be anything. Like, And then another thing was just, you know, doing yoga or mm. workout. And another one was I started doing coding at one point. Mm. You know, it's just these things that sort of keeps you going yeah it, it, but it's not like it's not to like with an outcome of like hey i need to be like mm. um how do you say it like productive like it's still productive but it's not like i think a lot of people confuse that like you can also just do that for yourself like you don't have to mm. turn everything into money or a career no but it's it was kind of like a way of giving i wouldn't normally fill my whole day with it it was more just like to give myself these little bursts of like hey this is cool if i'm today if i'm feeling like hey i don't really have anything to do and i feel like i just want to you could even be like podcasts or mm. anything or read a book um and not feel guilty i think like an overcome like a big thing to overcome was like knowing also when to like just stop and be like hey read your book and drink a tea for like mm. slowing down a couple of hours just yeah. Like, it's fine. You made it out no of it. No one else so is. Like, <laughs> I still, like, I don't see you drawing eyes anymore. I want to see, but. No, I haven't done drawing for a while. <laughs> that was one of my first things. Yeah. That was one of my first things. But, hey, I've still got the, I've got my, um. I was going to say crayons. They're not crayons. My pencils. pencils. Yeah. But I think it's a good yeah. advice to just give to people like, hey, just do something and don't feel like pressure to always be good at something. Just like start and. Well, you know? yeah, like, um, same thing with Gigi. She does, like, 
um, painting and that sort of stuff. And mm. For her, it's this extra sort of curricular thing that's kind of just good for your soul, you know. Mm. It's not – for some people actually, you know, and that's all right, but it, it's like their, their career, job or yeah. their career. But for me it was just something that I enjoy doing, you know, it could be cooking as well. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, great advice for everyone, not just like in the pandemic, but obviously mm. in general, like if you feel like you're lost, just do something that brings you joy and, yeah. Absolutely. I think just in life in general, mm. you should be doing that. Yeah. But I mean, you the, turned your passion into a career, so like... <laughs> yeah, know. no, that's that's fine. And who knows, like sometimes that happens, like... You know, you have you have people finding their passion a lot later on in life. Whatever, mm. it doesn't matter really what it is, you know. Um, but you find that out through doing stuff that you that yeah, absolutely. You doing, and so. I think you know, through the whole lockdowns and stuff, it's given everyone the ability to slow down. Mm. You know? I don't know how anyone's life was before, but everything was like hyper fast, like. Mm. Everything was just, and it's still, you know, we're still living in a hyper sped up reality, yeah. but pre like world meltdown yeah. pandemic, <laughs> um, it was so much faster. Yeah. You know, people were like traveling every three months, you know, covering the world so many times. Yeah, multitasking everywhere and just trying to get it done. Yeah, you were doing meetings with someone in LA mm. and you were having to then schedule another one in London and, you know, you had to be here and you had to be there and it'd be like 11 o'clock at night and your agent would be messaging you and you had to respond and, like, yeah. everything was so sped up and people were burning out and this was the first time in so long that it, it almost just put a pause on for a lot of people. And I'm, I don't want to take away from like also probably the yeah, massive yeah. hardships that probably also put on people. Of course, yeah. But um, it was one of the first times where like really slowed everyone down. So, you know, hopefully. I don't think you would have drawn, drawn an eye otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> or I to yoga. I always, yeah, wanted, maybe, but I always wanted to, but it, yeah, it definitely did give me the chance to like. Yeah. Just pick up a pencil and, and go for it. So. Yeah. I started journaling as well. I don't think I would have maybe, I mean, yeah, maybe again, but. But still, it gives you this opportunity to like mm. actually. So Be hopefully everyone, you guys that are listening, have had the opportunity to do yeah. that. And maintain to do that. Just if, if the world opens back up and everything gets fucking crazy again, <laughs> just remember the, I guess like. Take time for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Reconnect. What do you tap back in? Tap back into your soul. Tap back in. Yeah. Reconnecting. I think that's a really important thing, like reconnecting with yourself. Mm. People still tend to forget that. And I mean, things are opening up back again. So we're not like really into that. But I think actually, I do believe that we will keep that like whole awareness so. a bit more. I do think, at least in my friendship circles, I feel like people are more aware of that or trying to be. But I hope it will stay like that. Um, anyways, I have um, two other questions, last questions. But uh, one is that I'm really interested in is obviously also like a positive thing. Like what was the best moment so far of living abroad that you can think of? And maybe what's still on your bucket list because you still have some time here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best thing about living abroad. Or like a best memory, something you can think of. Um, I think as... As an Australian, living on the other side of the world, 
um, as beautiful as our country is, um, it's very much just like you're you're there. <laughs> you're there on the other side of the world. And yes, you can travel to like Asia and, and surrounding areas, but um, but you don't have the access to like sort of well, you okay? You kind of do. Like you do have access to the sort of uh, different cultures and yeah. languages and stuff, but it's way more like when you're here, it really <laughs> feels like you're. It's like almost endless here, mm. and it's been amazing to like experience that. You know, to travel to France, to travel to Germany, and and experience and meet new friends and mm. have these experiences where you're like, wow, okay you realise how much bigger the world is, mm. you know. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd travelled when I was younger. Like half my family is is, is Swiss, so I travelled a lot to Switzerland. But it wasn't until I was older and I travelled more of the world and um, you realise how big the world is, mm. you know. Um, it can be overwhelming but it can also be like extremely exciting because... Mm really gives you that idea of like any possibility or any adventure is possible essentially. Um, so my highlight I think is just being, yeah, being... In Europe? <laughs> well, yeah. Of being Being in Europe there. but just having the opportunity to experience mm. Europe and the world, not just Europe but the world in general. Like I think I'm really... Yeah, fortunate to have that opportunity. So I think it's yeah important not to like over not overstep that, but overlook mm. that and like appreciate what I've had the opportunity to experience. We were actually talking about that today because I was like, it's so crazy that we can just travel around, especially in Europe. It's so easy to travel around, and then you living in Amsterdam and like mm. on the other side of the world. And I lived in Australia back then, mm-hmm. where we actually met, which is quite crazy. Now we meet again in Europe, mm-hmm. and how small the world can be while it's also so big. And like we were talking about how it's not like not everyone has the opportunity to just go somewhere and live there. No, most most people don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's. Yeah, that's what's crazy. Like, mm. um, it's important not to take it for granted. Like, you know, I only flew back from Australia like last week and I was sitting there at the airport in Sydney, like, just about to fly out. I was like, this is actually really strange that I'm, I've got my suitcase, I'm sitting in this thing, I'm just about to get on this plane and just disappear to the other side of the world. And, mm. you know, like, and that just was so normal, but in a way so different to everyone else's reality. Yeah. Um, especially a lot of my close friends are in Australia and that sort of stuff that they do travel and, and everything but they've, they still have lived their whole life in Australia or even in the same town which mm. is still amazing. Like not, I'm not judging or anything but it's um, just such a different reality. Like um, yeah, anyway. I'm thankful. I yeah, that's a that's a good one. I think. Yeah, like it's also. I feel like for me at least, it feels like two different lives. Like I have a different life in Australia, and then I have a different life here and different life there. And sometimes they connect, which is really cool. But most of the time, you just feel like you could just mm. reinvent yourself. Technically, you pretty much could like, actually, yeah. if you want to. Well, I, I guess it's a little bit harder now with the whole like social media stuff. But mm, okay. I often <laughs> think that like when our parents were younger, like when they went traveling. 
you know, if you came to the mm. Europe in the 70s or 60s or whatever, then you really could disappear or your reinvent name. yourself. Like it doesn't, no one knows who you are. They can't just Google you. Like. <laughs> All of a sudden you're like Letitia and you're like having pink hair. And like <laughs> yeah, you could. It'd be so easy. Yeah. But anyways, we're getting off topic. I have one last question for you and that's mm-hmm. um, one that, yeah, well, basically if you have any tips for people maybe nowadays who are young and like listening to this and they're really passionate about something and they might struggle especially nowadays and like think, oh, maybe I couldn't do this or maybe I don't, I have to do like an office job and I can't turn my passion into career. What would you tell those people that are doubting themselves and pursuing their passion and do you have any tips? Or I mean like if someone's like stuck in a job or something that they don't want to be doing. Or maybe like a 16-year-old person who's like, oh, there's a pandemic so like music's going downhill and I love music but I don't think I would pursue a career. Like <laughs> it's an example. But like just in general people who feel I'd say lost. they're probably not too wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, sorry. That's a bad joke. Um, or just gener- generally like passionate about something but too scared to turn it into their career path like you did. What would you tell those people who are doubting? Yeah. I don't know, like if you really want to do it, you just kind of have to do it. Mm. You're always going to doubt it. Like, man, we still doubt it. We still have moments like when we're in the studio and we're like, what the fuck are we doing? Mm. Is this album actually worth releasing? Like, is this tour actually going to sell out? Like, is anyone going to buy this merch? You, you don't know. Like, I don't know. You just, if you want to do it, you just kind of do it. If you want to paint paintings and if you want to make sculptures or if you want to be a mechanic, then that's like your decision. And mm. essentially just don't let anyone tell you the, the other, you know. If we'd, if we'd sort of listen to people saying, you know, don't do this or like don't focus on that or, you know, music's a waste of time or your music's that this or it's not going to sell or whatever then we wouldn't be where we are and we're still learning like we're still not at the end Mm. we're far from it actually we're still very far from it but if you want to do something you just sounds really cheesy but you just kind of have to do it like no one's else don't overthink it as well well no one else is going to do it for you essentially you know so it's that's one of the hardest things is that because you want to create something and you're, you're passionate about it, like you enjoy whatever it may be, whether it is, um, it doesn't have to be music, any sort of creative whatever. So you might be passionate or motivated or maybe not even motivated but just passionate or I want to do this, I love doing this, I love this industry, I love the people that are in this, mm. you know, or idols maybe like you look up to someone. There's never going to be a moment where someone like gets you out of bed in the morning and says, hey, you have to fucking sew this shirt today (laughs) because you need to show this person or like you need to finish this song to submit it to whoever. Like no one's going to do that in the morning. Mm. Only yourself. Only yourself. So that's what I'm saying. It's a pain in the ass but you, you have to be your best and worst critic at times being yeah. creative. You need to be the one that says, I need to do something today. I need to work towards my dream. What is my dream? You know, mm. fashion designer. What do I need to do today? I don't know. 
read a magazine. It doesn't, I don't, it could be anything. <laughs> I don't think it's that easy, but. <laughs> no, but, but like I mean, taking a step towards. <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter what you do as long as you're taking mm-hmm. that one step. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't true. have to be like write an album. Yeah. It can be listen to your favorite album mm. is the point I'm trying to make yeah. is that if you want to be that thing, don't focus on that end goal all the time. Oh, yeah. So like, focus on the small steps in between yeah. that end goal. Yeah, that's a good advice. Look at the moon and then go, sorry, no, don't look at the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Moon's way too fucking close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look at a really fast star. <laughs> And then look at all the stars in between that and then try to jump between those stars. You know, like get your big goal, mm. fashion designer, Dream musician, big whatever, and then try to work out nice little bite-sized pieces in between that goal. And also be your own biggest fan. I feel like if you give up on yourself, no one will. I mean, obviously, like you no, said, doubting yourself. You can't, yeah, you can't be, like you can't, you're going to doubt yourself. I'm not going to But like you have to it. believe in you somehow because otherwise you... Yeah. Or like have a passion. That's where the people from. are going to help you. Yeah. They're going to make you believe in yourself. They're going to help you believe in yourself. You just have to also believe in yourself at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise you wouldn't start it. But, but if you surround yourself with like nice people mm. and, and supportive people, mm. they're going to support your dream. They're going to see the passion and the effort yeah. and the love that you have for whatever you're doing and they're going to m- motivate you even if you're shit. Like yeah. at the beginning – they're going to motivate you regardless. They're going to say, hey, this is a great painting or mm. hey, this is a great dress or this is a great song. Even if, I shouldn't say shit, but even if you you're can. like, <laughs> even if you're starting off and it isn't the greatest, mm. they're going to help motivate you because they're going to see that you really do mm. love this and they're going to want to support you in that. Yeah. And that's only going to make you more passionate about what you're doing and for you to actually spend more time in doing it. Mm and researching it and educating yourself with it and doing courses or just meeting other people that are in that industry and collaborating or advancing your sort of, uh, how do you say? Talent. Your tools, your oh, yeah. talent. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's really good to focus on the small steps. I think I still need to work on that. And Definitely. Like that's the, that's a massive one is, is like I'm saying, like you don't, I don't wake up in the morning and think, hey, I'm going to, finish this album or like I'm going to go build a new touring rig or whatever. It's small things like yeah. uh, doing a masterclass with, in the industry or whatever that you love. Yeah. Even watching a movie that is or a documentary or reading a book about your favourite artist or whatever. Like all these little small things eventuate into something bigger. Mm. Yeah. They all have their little moment. Sometimes it might seem like reading a magazine about the fashion thing might sound stupid, mm. but you have no idea throughout the time in the years where like it, it, where it leads to or what it yeah. motivates you to do. So, Yeah, that's really anyway. beautifully said in a perfect way to end the <laughs> podcast. We could talk on the, about this for like hours, but I think, yeah, enough said. And I hope everyone who is listening to this can take something away from this. Thank you, Sean. Sean. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. So it could much. be the Ons, but Sean's not here, so. <laughs> Thank you, so. Oh, my God. Sean's oh, so. Sean's so, oh. <laughs> It's the wine, I'm telling you. No, thank you, Sean, so much for being on this podcast and sharing your experiences and, yeah, inspirations and aspirations mm-hmm. for this. Do you guys have anything planned for this year, like, tour-wise? 
Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when this episode's coming out, but we have uh, Spanish dates coming up in end of March. Um, and then we got some dates throughout April in Germany and then the US in May. Otherwise, we're in Europe for the summer. So we'll just see what happens. Well, you guys, if you're in Europe, check out Tora. And I'm really excited to go see some more shows of you and what's to come. And I think you guys are doing a great job. And yeah, I'm just really excited to see you play. And I uh, yeah, hope everyone who's listening, like I said, could take something away from this. Has a beautiful evening or morning. And yeah, just stay present, like we said. And if you're passionate about something, just do it, <laughs> basically. Don't over, yeah, don't overthink it. And we talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.